Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 124. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about investing in others. What do you see? When I was a language arts teacher, I would walk my students through a series of practices identifying their surroundings. And I'd like to ask you to try this right now. Think about the following. Number one, what are you seeing right now? I want you to look up, look down, look around and behind you. Maybe you're seeing the glare of sunlight from a nearby window or the stained surface of a tabletop or a wall that's close by, but you are surrounded all the time by objects that sometimes you don't recognize. Number two, what are you hearing? Stop right now and just simply listen. Maybe you hear the buzz of the heating and air system from nearby vents, or maybe you recognize the distant hum of passing traffic, or maybe you hear students. Three, what do you smell? Are you surrounded by the scent of brewed coffee or the mixed aromas of a busy cafeteria? Or maybe you smell the musty smells of old books. What are you touching? Your body is full of nerves. Can you feel the fabric of the shirt you're wearing resting on your shoulders right now? How about the press of your shoes against your toes? Or maybe you're holding the smooth ridges of a pen in hand. Five, what are you tasting? Maybe it's the aftertaste of your last meal, or maybe it's the sweetness of gum or the flavorings of your favorite soda. Six, what are you sensing emotionally? Are you anxious, excited, worried, confident? Maybe you're tired from a short night of sleep, or maybe you're hungry for your next meal. In all of our senses, often we fail to be aware of them in the busyness of our to-do lists and the many things that are happening inside of our brain all the time. And sometimes it takes real effort to pause and reflect. But being mindful is an important part of leadership. You know, I've been thinking about the word leadership lately. It's a very popular word. You see it used a lot in inspirational quotes, titles for books, website descriptions, conference themes. We use it a lot in conversations in this podcast. But leadership is more than a word. Leadership is influence. Leadership is helping others to achieve more. It's taking someone from one place and helping to motivate them and influence them to reach another. And there's something else about leadership that I would like you to think about this week. Leadership is about others. Whether you are influencing students or teachers or coworkers or employees or fellow team members, every person around you is a person to whom you provide influence. And that means that every person you serve is also a leader. And many of them, especially your students or younger team members, are future leaders. Someday your influence or your motivation or your presence will no longer be immediately present. And when that happens, the question will be, how are you investing in others so that they in turn can be people of influence. In other words, how are you investing in future leaders? Think about the people who have been the most meaningful leaders in your life. Maybe it was a parent or a coach or a teacher or another school leader. 
I bet it's safe to say that that person paid attention to details that you could not see. Maybe that leader had the ability to look at life or situations from perspectives that helped you to reimagine or reprioritize your ideas. And influential leaders can often see or hear what others may be missing. That's why even professionals at the top of their game hire consultants or coaches or trainers. Howard Schultz, the former CEO of Starbucks, hired consultants before he returned to the helm of Starbucks before his most recent retirement. Kevin Durant, the NBA star, still hires a personal trainer to coach him. So whether you're leading children or adults, whoever it is, you're influencing them in some way. And the ability that you have to see what they're missing is an important part of strong leadership. So this week, as I continue my series on reflections for education leaders, I want to ask you to consider six ways that you can be investing in future leaders because strong leaders are creating future leaders. So number one, don't make decisions in a vacuum. The decisions that you're making are far too important to assume that you don't need others' feedback in the process. And yes, it can be messy to take more time to reach out for shared agreements, but when you include others in agreeing on the direction that you're going, you're creating cultures of collaboration. Let me give you some examples. In school leadership, before a faculty meeting, how do you choose what that agenda is going to be? In my practice, I would often meet with a small group of teacher leaders the week before and ask them for their questions and issues and concerns that they believe needed to be addressed in the future meeting. So together we would brainstorm ideas, and that gave me a sense of what was important to them. Now, of course, I also had strategic goals that I believe needed to be discussed, but making decisions together before we would even meet meant that the meeting was going to be productive. The same was true if you're meeting with your admin team. If you have the blessing of assistant principals or counselors or office staff, folks outside the normal classroom activities, they give you perspective too that's helpful when leading school-wide efforts. And of course, it's important to include student leaders in your decision-making. So whether that means you have a traditional student leadership class or whether those are kids that you've identified throughout your school for feedback, how are you meeting with them regularly? And often in my practice, I would set up a weekly meeting with students for information from them so that as I'm making goals for the school, their input is a part of that decision. So number one, to help influence future leaders, you cannot make decisions in a vacuum. Number two, give others the ability to lead and then the freedom to make mistakes. When you're responsible for the tasks of your school, it's hard sometimes to pass those off to other people, but good teaching means that you delegate. And the good news is is that there are others on your team who could actually do some of the work that you're doing better than you can. I'll give you an example. One year, an assistant principal came to me on my team and asked if she could manage sending out a weekly Friday wrap-up to all the teachers and staff in our building as a way to summarize positive accomplishments from the previous week and remind them of important dates coming up. And for the first few times, she touched base with me for feedback before sending out the messages. But over time, she completely owned the process. And the good news is, is that she did a better job at it than I did. So delegation does take more time on the front end. But in the long run, you're benefiting yourself just as much as you're building leadership in others. You're trusting others with the ability to lead and influence in the areas of their strengths and talents as you lead in yours. 
So number two, learn to give others the ability to lead and then the freedom to make mistakes because they, just like you make mistakes, they'll make mistakes too. But that's a part of learning to be a leader. Number three, redirect feedback and suggestions towards a what can you do about it outcome. Let me see if I can explain this clearly. Todd Whitaker and Dave Ramsey both refer to a method that they call shifting the monkey. Todd Whitaker refers to that in his book, Shifting the Monkey, Protecting Leadership. And Dave Ramsey talks about that in his book, Entree Leadership. And the idea is that that is when someone comes to you with a concern or an idea for a new action, listen to them, but don't allow that idea to jump on your shoulders like a monkey and stay with you and they leave the room. In other words, take time to put the proverbial monkey back on their shoulders to help reach a shared solution. And if you already have people on your team whose plates are full, don't allow these new ideas to burden them with the new responsibilities they don't have time for. In other words, teach others on your teams to carry out the tasks of which they come up with ideas for accomplishing. Let me give you an example of that. One day, a good teacher in my building came to me with an idea of a new assembly to recognize every senior who's accepting post-secondary scholarship offers. It was a great idea. And so first of all, I thanked him. And then I asked him, what could he do to help turn that idea into a reality? So we brainstormed ideas until we'd come up with a game plan for scheduling the event, contacting participants, preparing awards, and giving a specific timeline for when those things would be completed. And by shifting the monkey back to that teammate, then I entrusted him to do it all. And he did. He gathered folks around him and together they navigated the pitfalls. They identified the game plan. They executed the the plan of action. It wasn't exactly like I would have done it, but in the process, they pulled off an assembly that was powerful and inspiring to students. Now, not all ideas that are shared with you can be turned into actions, but whether you're dealing with negative feedback or someone venting frustrations, the goal is to take an idea or suggestion and redirect it back to that person with the question, what can you do about this to make something better? So leadership is helping redirect ideas that people share with you towards common productive solutions. So whether you're dealing with criticism or whether you're dealing with constructive feedback, either way, always try to navigate that person towards solution. Number four, learn to confront brutal facts with confidence and grace. You know, recently I was presenting to a group of education leaders about having difficult conversations with staff or teachers or teammates when the question was asked to me about how can you lead others into difficult conversations without upsetting them? And the short answer is this, you can't. You can't control that. In fact, I told that group that it was common in my former experience as a high school principal to have at least every day one person cry in my presence, whether that was a student, a teacher, a parent, or a coworker, or maybe it was myself sometimes. But In the 14 years that I did school admin and in the 11 years that I was a high school teacher, you have to learn, if you're going to be a good leader, to confront truthfully and honestly the things you see in front of you. And holding others accountable is seldom easy. But if you care about others, then you will learn to provide them honest feedback. But you do so with grace and with dignity. Now, there's a lot of suggestions that I can make on how to do that. But let me just suggest a resource by Jennifer Abrams called Having Hard Conversations. I'll now link to it in this post. But learning to provide others with feedback means that you learn to talk to them while realizing that their response is their choice, not yours. 
your goal as a leader is to provide honest feedback in the most polite ways that you can with grace and with dignity, the same type of dignity that you would want someone to show you if they're pointing something out that needs to be addressed or corrected. But then their response is their, is their choice, not yours. But it's an important part of leadership to confront the brutal facts with confidence and grace. Number five, be generous with the lessons that you're learning. Let me tell you a quick story. When I was 14 years old, I became my dad's assistant during summers with a job that he was doing, diving for mussel shells in the Kentucky Lake area in West Tennessee, where I grew up. And one afternoon, when I was helping him dive, a storm surprised us. And within minutes, rain was pouring down. The sky was filling with lightning and thunder. And, and as the waves increased, my dad fired up the boat motor so that we could head for shore. Soon the boat began to, the boat motor began to sputter and my dad said, we're running out of gas. Change the gas tank in the back with a spare one that's full. So I jumped in the back of the boat and I stood there thinking. I had never changed out the gas tank before. So I just stood there trying to figure out what to do. And the boat ran out of gas. My dad sprang to the back of the boat and said, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know how to change the tank. And he said, goodness gracious. And he reached down and pinched the connecting gas valves disconnected them from the empty tank, plugged it into the full tank, completed the switch, started the engine, and we headed for shore. And later, after the storm had subsided, we were watching as the water lapped against the shore, and my dad turned to me and said, I didn't know you couldn't switch tanks. And I began to explain to him that my older brothers had always done everything on the boat, and no one had ever showed me how. So over the next days and weeks of that summer, my dad began to slow down as we worked together to show me how to maintenance a motor, how to fix a flat tire, how to change the truck's oil, how to record business expenses. He modeled the work for me. And later when I was in college and was able to have my own diving boat and rig, my dad's leadership had prepared me to do the work on my own. So here's the question. As you're leading others, how are you taking time to slow down and help them understand your practices in school leadership? Last year, for instance, I walked to Turnaround High School with Principal Mike Crace at East Central High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And here's what I saw. Mike modeled for his fellow admins. He talked to teachers and provided them feedback on their work as well as his own. He touched base with students and got feedback from them on what was working or not working in his school. And as a result, Mike took that school from a place that had a 50% graduation rate when he started five years earlier to an 80% graduation rate in year five. Mike learned how to show the practices of leadership to all of those in his school. Maybe you are somebody who can write. Are you sharing your ideas in articles or blog posts with your professional organization? Maybe you're a good presenter and you could present best practices in an upcoming conference or workshop, or maybe you just need to take some time to slow down in the work that you're doing to equip those around you for their work ahead. So number five, be generous with the lessons that you're learning because others need to have it modeled. And then finally, number six, invest in your own children or family members, just as you're investing in future leaders in your school. I don't want to talk about modeling leadership for your school family without also talking about the leaders in your home. If you are a mom or a dad, or maybe you're an uncle or an aunt with a special niece or nephew, but one of the greatest joys that I had in school leadership was having my own children at my high school. 
And our morning commutes were often sleepy and quiet, but at other times we would listen to leadership podcasts together or audiobooks that could spark important conversations. Or sometimes we would simply be talking about the events of their day or traveling together to late night events or eating meals together before a basketball game or a football game. You know, now that I'm no longer leading the same schools that my children attend, I enjoy being with them, but I have to stay intentional in the ways that we engage. And I don't know your context, but think about the lessons that you are practicing and influencing future leaders in your school and ask yourself, how are you doing that with your own kiddos? Because as my children have grown older, scheduling time with them is sometimes as hard to do as scheduling times at school for folks there too. But creating important touch points with your own children is an important way of influencing the future leaders in your own house. And so let me just give you a few suggestions of ways that you can be doing the kind of leadership influence at home that you're practicing at school. And so let me just give you some quick practices that we've tried to instill with our family that might be helpful for you as I rest on this point for just a few minutes. First, when possible, eat meals together. Ann Fischel in her blog, theconversation.com, summarizes a number of research sources that show the benefits of family meals for children. Did you know that children who regularly eat family meals increase their vocabularies, they eat more balanced diets, they generally perform better in school, and they show fewer signs of anxiety and depression? And I'll link to that study in my show notes. But there are other family rituals that you can include besides eating together that I think are important. And here are just some that we've used. I'm not suggesting this is the only way to practice family rituals, but here's what's worked for us. Um, Eating meals, reading together, or reflective movie watching. Uh, You know, my family and I have, as my children were younger, we read lots of books together, not just storybooks, but as they grew older, older, entire novels together or series together together. And as they've gotten older now, we often will watch movies together, but living those adventures together and then giving yourself time to reflect about it afterwards is an important way of staying connected and learning through life. We, we also include some other touch points with our kids uh, for just important milestones for them. We practice half birthday dates. We have weekends away with mom or dad. We have rituals for certain birthday dates of ages that they reach. And so with each of these rituals and practices, we try to find ways to give our kids life lessons that we want them to understand, whether they're developing as children or teens or young adults, everything from setting goals to to understanding sex. And although we can't guarantee the outcomes, the time invested in our own kids is just as important as the time that we're investing with future leaders in our schools. So number six, as you're investing in your future leaders at school, don't forget those future leaders at your house. So let's wrap this up. Jen Swank is the author of the book, You're the Principal, Now What? And as a practicing principal, she once sat on an interview committee that presented the following scenario to candidates. And I'll quote from her book, quote, you're standing in the main office holding a stack of forms that need to be signed when a teacher comes in and says she wants to talk about an idea for her afternoon class. The phone rings and your secretary tells you it's the superintendent. He wants to talk to you right away. And at the exact same time, a student walks in and heads toward the clinic. He is crying and red-faced. What do you do? And Jen Swank continues by saying, candidates that chose any option other than helping the child were not considered. Now, her point was this. Leadership 
is and must always be about students. And I completely agree. But I have to be honest with you. In my leadership, sometimes I have failed to see what's right around me, including the needs of students. And your leadership, I'm going to bet, is not perfect either. If you're like me, sometimes you need a reminder to stop and pay close attention to the future leaders who are standing right in front of you. And that's not just students. That is also fellow teachers. Sometimes it's coworkers. Sometimes it's fellow admin. And sometimes it's your family. And as you're leading others, first of all, remember to give yourself the grace that anyone deserves because you'll never do it perfectly. But as you're leading others, remember that those future leaders need you to include them in decision-making, to give them the ability to lead and make mistakes. They need to know that they are a part of the solutions when they have suggestions. They need accountability that's done with grace and dignity, and they need generous modeling if they're going to become the leaders that you want to see them become. So now it's your turn. This week, as you take time to closely look at your surroundings, can you think about someone in your school or on your team who could benefit from some positive feedback and modeling? How are you including others in your decision-making? How are you allowing students to be a part of providing leadership for your school? How are you taking time to stop and pay attention to your surroundings so that you're influencing your future leaders? I hope that that's been helpful. If you'd like to check out other resources at my website, you can visit it at williamdparker.com. My books, Principal Matters and Messaging Matters are available there. If you have speaking events coming up through the 1819 or 1920 school year, please reach out. You can check out my speaking page at williamdparker.com slash speaking, or you can always reach me at my email address, will at williamdparker.com. Until next time, thank you for the work that you're doing. I hope you're having a fantastic week and thanks for doing what matters. Thank you.